What challenges do food manufacturers face in sourcing ingredients? Can we order small pack sizes and quantities? How to be innovative and limit the R&D costs at the same time? Do we have competitive prices for ingredients? Are we covering demand, costs and resolving supply issues? Listen to our food ingredients experts discuss the biggest questions facing buying food ingredients today. Welcome to One to Taste Talks Food Ingredients. Join me, Jasper Schouten, CEO of One to Taste, on the eighth edition of One to Taste Talks Food Ingredients as we discuss the latest trends in successful go-to-market strategies. Today, we have an extraordinary lineup of guests joining us. Please welcome Egbert Sonneveld of Blonde Quality Ingredients, Steve Baxter of HE Stringer Flavors, Ross Norris of Australian Native Products, Manuel Peña Ruik of Delsan, and Alvaro Manuel Garcia of Aco Singularity. Welcome to another episode of One to Taste Talks Food Ingredients, the podcast that delves into the world of food ingredients. In today's episode, we'll immerse ourselves in uncovering invaluable tips and tricks for a successful go-to-market strategy. Our distinguished panel of five food ingredients experts will share their unique perspectives, guiding you on a path towards success. Get ready to navigate the ever-evolving landscape of bringing a food product to market as we explore the latest trends and groundbreaking innovation in the food ingredients industry. Hi, Egbert. Great to have you in the in the in the talk show today. Um, I would like to ask you to just give us a, a brief introduction: who you are and uh, what your company does. My name is Egbert Sonneveld. I uh, I live in Spain, but I'm Dutch. Uh, I'm here with my uh, wife, my Spanish wife, and uh, we have a company called Blonde Quality Ingredients, where one of the main products we produce is Teff. And uh, that's what I do already now for more than 10 years. Before that, I, uh, I used to work already 30 years in, uh, in the ingredients business, in uh, basically animal proteins. But uh, we started a new life here in Spain. And why did you decide to work with TEF? I, I was working with... Uh, with a with a dairy protein, whey proteins, and and we we started uh, producing dietary products for sports and, and and dietary nutrition, and they were looking for a, a blend of proteins with a gluten free uh, product ingredient with very good characteristics. So, about 15 years ago, I came across TAF. And it looked like a very good ingredient because it's it's well known for, by the by the top sports people. Uh, it's it, uh, it's a, it's a very interesting grain for uh, endurance sports people. Yeah. So so actually, the the grain is gluten free. It's good for uh, nutritional value. Um, is it also good for nature? It's, it's very good for nature. That's something we discovered here in Spain, that uh, growing teff is, is good for, uh, for everybody, for the farmer. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting crop. 
uh, it's good for the, the consumer, as we said, and it's good for nature because it has a very low uh, need of water and of, uh, of uh, chemical, the chemical products like fertilizers. So TEF is, 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 is really a good, good choice for everybody. So, so I assume that you are part of a lot of product introductions. Uh, people are interested to, to use your ingredients. Um, are there any complexities when uh, a company makes a decision to use your product into a, uh, a new launch? Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about the complexity around that, uh, that aspect in particular? Well, first of all, we need the people to know about TEF because it's it's relatively unknown by the by the developers, especially in the bakery industry, uh, where we have no problem to explain TEF is to the original uh, users of TEF that are the Ethiopian and uh, Eritrean communities worldwide. They make a kind of pancake visit and then they have a kind of fermentation process that is very important for them. Uh, so with those customers, we have no problems in, in, in asking what their needs are and, and what, uh, what type of, uh, of product they want to develop because it's only one product that's called Injira. If we go to the Western world, uh, then we, we see that, that uh, step by step, people are, are trying to, to, to introduce TEF in a recipe. Uh, of, uh, obviously, because it's it's an, uh, a gluten-free ingredient, most of our customers are interested in the gluten-free aspect of TEF, uh, and then they discover the high nutritional values, etc. Uh, what also we we see more and more is that it's simply used as a mainstream ingredient in in in, in, in breads and etc. Because it's it's uh, it's always a very interesting in, uh, ingredient for its nutritional values. So, but is it readily available? Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's definitely not plenty available. There are only a few companies or farmers in the world producing it. So we have to, uh, for large volume customers, and for us, large volume customers is, is starting with, uh, with truckloads, uh, so 20, 24 tons. Um, and then we have to plan far ahead those quantities. So we, we have to make our plans with our, our farmers here in Spain a uh, year ahead. And that's the only way you can guarantee yourself uh, the volumes of TEF and with the quality that you need. Okay, so, so if I would be a, a developer and I would love to, to use your, your TEF ingredient, um, then I need to be sure to give uh, uh, to to have enough time uh, before I can launch it because it's not sure um, if I uh, want to launch it today uh, whether uh, you will be able to supply it. If it's if you're a large volume customer, that's okay. the case. Yes, obviously, if we are talking uh, pellet loads up to truck loads then we always have enough TAF in stock to, to launch the product, to do a first okay. launch. But uh, once, once we see that the product is, is successful, then we really recommend the, 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 also the purchasing departments to come on board and say, look, uh, 
this is what we will need next year. And, and we, we try to make some kind of contract, long-term contract. Otherwise, the, the, the sit at this moment, for instance, there is not enough TEF. So there are too many people now are running out of TEF and, and they, they, they see, and you can see that, that, that it's not a commodity. You can't simply buy a, call someone and say, give me five or 10 truckloads of TEF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you foresee actually that uh, the volume of this particular grain type will will grow in the in the coming years? I'm convinced. I'm convinced since uh, well, since we work with one to taste, we I've always said uh, with you guys, I, I want to double the volume we are we are doing now, and and, yeah. and, and we can even do more than that. So uh, we have plenty of capacity, and the story of TEF is so good. So it can't be that uh, that uh, that the people will not discover it. So we are we are in a good position at the moment to okay. to uh, with this fantastic new ingredient. Yeah. And echoing also a little bit the conversation I had with Jos Vos from the Bakery Academy, uh, it was also working on on on, on different projects. And, and what you can see is that that indeed in the bakery industry, um, health. Um, but also gluten-free are important aspects, and and in that sense, your ingredient is is, is fitting perfect in that in that uh, in that story, right? Do you see uh, specific periods of the year where more products are launched? Uh, do, is it is it some? Do you see some logic there, or is it just the whole year through? Um, you're you're working on projects. Well, in general, we all know that in the bakery business, uh, summer is very weak. And in general, there is the demand is low, and I, I, I've never seen products launched in uh, in summer. Uh, this is this time of the year is much more interesting to launch new project uh, products. So that's that's one. Uh, we also see some 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 very big uh, bakeries, industrial bakeries that are not necessarily interested in in gluten free bread. But they want to to include now TEF in a, in a, in one of their uh, multi cereal uh, breads, and there I don't see uh, a seasonality. These are the usual blue chip food company bakery companies that we know that operate worldwide. But to be honest, they 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 always work with the one or two percent of the recipe is TAF. So it's 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 very, very low, but still then we are talking truckloads. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well Edward, it's it's really interesting to to hear your 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 points of what you experience uh, in in your company i'm very excited about uh, about tef uh, as an ingredient and i think it, it it does have a have a very bright future um if i look what what we see in in one to taste on on specific go to market uh, uh from the decision to go to market and to actually launching um it is 122 days on average and if it takes longer the chances uh, are lower uh, that it will will end up in uh, in in a new product launch. Um, I think your experience is longer. Uh, uh, oh, from, it's it's uh, much longer because because as I said, since people don't know it, the the normal pattern is that we send the samples and then they they start playing with this. They do some quick and dirty testing on on, on flavor and and on on, uh, on smell and functionality, and then. You see people coming back and saying, "Hey, 
can we do uh, can we do a puff pastry with it can we do pasta with it can we do whatever so so uh, we we still have to trigger the fantasy of the of the developers and and with that we do a great job with you guys i mean you have some very good people on board there that uh, that help us with that uh, but yeah. but the frustrating part here is that it's taking far longer than 4 months as i said yeah yeah. So, so if I would wrap it up, um, it, it, it is important to, first of all, think about what your ingredients you want to use. And if it's an ingredient like TEF, you need to make sure that you start in time and that you give proper, uh, prognosis on, on what you intend to, to start using in order to secure. Certainly, if you take truckloads, um, um, if it's smaller amounts, you can, Probably manage for a, for a launch, but then when things pick up, you need to you need to well in time inform uh, your supplier and in this case you uh, to to assure the, the quantity that you need. But but uh, Jasper, a last point maybe that is interesting to to mention uh, in the in the case of uh, product development is that very often. Developers need spe uh, specific uh, uh, characteristics of the product. So be it microbiological, be it the fineness of the powder, being a certain color, being it whatever. And there, of course, we have this, the, since we are a relatively small, but very flexible company and very creative, we can do tailor-made ingredients for the, for the, for these customers. And, the good thing is that if we agree on a certain number of tons of TEF, we keep those that, that grain in our stock the whole year long. And then whenever they, they need the product with their characteristics, then we are relatively quick in, in supplying those, uh, those volumes and with those characteristics. And we are very consistent with the quality and the, and the characteristics of that. I think that's a very important point to mention especially talking to bakeries that don't like surprises in their, uh, in their recipes. It's their supply chain. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's a good addition, uh, Egbert. I think that's also important for, uh, for people to understand your flexibility in, in uh, working uh, the ingredients in different kinds of specs. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think I'm going to close it. Thank you very much, uh, Egbert, and uh, we'll be in touch and, and for sure we'll be doing more business together. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Steve. Um, thank you very much for joining us uh, today in, uh, in our podcast. Um, you're joining uh, from the company, your company, uh, Stringer, H.E. Stringer Flavors. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company? Yes. Um, well, the company was formed by my father-in-law um, in the in the late fifties. He was a, a perfumer, um, and um, he worked with um, uh, a chap called Dr. May, who specialised in uh, savoury Maillard reaction flavours. And uh, they started off in quite humble beginnings in Rickmansworth, and then they um, then fa uh, Harry had a, a custom-built. Um, factory built in in Tring in Hertfordshire and um, at that point um, we had uh, a perfumery arm and, um, and a flavour arm. The flavour arm got bigger as the supermarket presence in this country got bigger and um, we we actually um, 
I took over the, the company in 1998 and it was quite run down and under underinvested. It had been um, neglected since Harry died in, in 1985. And so um, um, there was lots to do. And uh, since then, we've been building um, um, and reforming the company, the way it works. Um, I had to take some quite drastic decisions um, during my sort of early years at the factory. Um, and um, But one of the first things we did was to um, get um, organic products going. So um, we were the first flavour company in the UK to... Um, have um, organic products um, uh, into the market ingredients and so um, um, our experience sort of stems from about around about that date we specialize in um, in natural flavorings and we um, we really run although we've got um, a, a, a sales team that does kind of back up inquiries we we really have a web, a web-based kind of inquiry system that um, it it's it just expedites the whole inquiry process so um we don't like to faff around because um you know speed is everything and um and accuracy yeah so um yeah since, since you mentioned that speed part right um and we're, we we specifically are going to dive a little bit into the go-to market um when when you would talk to your um uh, to your customers um, what what is it that you would uh, when they want to bring a product to the market? What what is your experience? Uh, what would you advise them? <laughs> to make sure they've got sufficient investment for one thing, um, because it's not a cheap game to bring things to market. I think sometimes people underestimate the amount of um, work it takes and funding it takes. But um, having said that, um, you know we have we it it just depends on the on the type of uh, company we're dealing with if it's blue chip company then the whole thing gets very serious and it usually starts around the marketing it you know guys in the um in in the company that in the client so um so there's lots to take in, into consideration you've got labeling issues you've got um you know depiction issues um you've got and that would affect our our, our product selection process so um, if, it's, if it's a small-time entrepreneur, we try to um, actually back um, the pro hot prospects that we feel are on trend. And that, you, that sometimes comes from, from, from funny little co corners and places. Uh, the places they start, it can be anything from a kitchen table up to a small unit somewhere, someone that's um, got ambitions about getting into the food industry. And uh, they have a hot product. And uh, go on. And, and how do you? And how do you? And because man, they 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 try your product. It normally starts, I guess, with a sample. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I I, I know. Um, but but how do you anticipate? What, what I'm referring to, Jasper, is the, is the is you're asking me. Uh, you know how we expedite our process. How we actually work fast. Yeah. And the way we work fast is to make sure that the product we select, and you've got to bear in mind that we have maybe half a million formulations that we've accumulated since we began, um, maybe 250,000 of each side of the business, sweet and savory flavors. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a labyrinth in a sense. I mean, we've got go-to products that, that are quick pick, um, but sometimes, well, the strange thing is you find that... Um, 
you're always asked for a new product. <laughs> and, and, and also, so, so, so that affects, I mean, if we have an ink, what we feel is, is an on-trend idea, we'll just make it, we'll just formulate it, we'll create it, um, because that's something that's missing from our palette. And we want to have a complete palette. So, yeah. so the thing is that um, if it's for a small time, um, come, we'll get as near to as they want as the, as a perfect fit. So, obviously, we want to just we want to expedite our 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 um, product selection process. And the way we do that is to take the criteria, uh, the labelling criteria, the manufacturing criteria, and all various other things, um, liquid powder. All, all those issues, we have to take those into account before we actually correct, you know, select the right the right product. And it's really all about not wasting any time because um, time is of the essence, you know, in, in our industry. If you're first out with yeah. a sample and it fits, yeah. you're going to win the business. I, 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 we see exactly yeah. the same thing uh, on the one to test yeah. platform uh, where we. Uh, where we actually see once you are the first on the table, you're the first that the people start developing with, and you're the most likely uh, exactly. candidate to win to win the brief, yeah. right? Um, but do you do you have a certain strategy? Because timelines are short. You're you're yeah. mentioning right, but probably you have around two thousand different uh, stock keeping units for as as raw yeah. raw materials, yeah. right? Um, how do you make sure that once a product is successful, that you can also scale up to the volumes? Um, yeah, we have, have to make sure that, um, I mean, it's all about exchanging information from the customer. So the more transparency we have, I mean, there's no point in beating around the bush and, and just playing cloak and dagger. You know, we, we, we have to get to an understanding. I mean, people, um, you know, the whole thing about business is it has to be win-win. If it's win-lose, then it drives people out of business. And that's no good yep. to anyone because, you know, you'll create um, uh, fractures in the supply chain. So what's important is people understand the value of your service. The only way you can provide um, a valuable service is to make efficiencies in the factory and so and, and in the manufacturing process. So, so we make sure that we find out um, what, what call-off times, you know, um, approximate usage, and we just stop stop for it. It's as simple as that, really. Um, you know, when we had just after okay. lockdown, there was um, uh, one of the things we did was we we invested in in stock um, because um, we were seeing we, well, we anticipated lag times, so we had to make sure that we had uh, stock to fulfil orders, and um, for that reason. Um, we, we, we work on average of about 10 to 15 days lead time from order acceptance. So we try to keep it at that. If it drifts anywhere, you know, then we start to get concerned and we start to make changes. So um, we make sure that we've got stock okay. in, antici in ant anticipation of call off. So um, in other words, if somebody says they want, you know, uh, half a ton of a product over a year, then we sort of divide that up into sections and that affects our order, our order patterns for that product. Nice, nice. It seems like, like because uh, our experience with with H. A. Stringer is super positive. Yeah. Um, I, I think you guys are very flexible. Yeah. Uh, you're very yeah. fast. Um, 
which is which is a pleasure and and actually it fits completely with what we're trying to achieve on uh, and what 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 the digital experience should yeah. be yeah? you should order today and be able to deliver in in the upcoming days after that right yeah um i know steve um it's 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 a short interview but i i'm going to wrap it a little bit okay, up fine. um but if you had to give one last thought what would that be one last thought <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What What would you advise your customer as as a number one uh, in in when he would go and launch a product? What would be the first thing that he needs to do uh, in in regards to ingredients? Me, well, well, I think I think I think a person's got to measure the tipping point. So basically, we price according to volume because um, we make to order. Yeah. So everything has yeah. to run very efficiently. And so, if we, if we, uh, if you think about that, if you're making to order, then obviously you need as much information from the customer as possible. So, really, I guess as far as we're concerned with our client relationship, it's built on trust and confidentiality, uh, because obviously people. The reason why people are often cloak and dagger is because they're worried about someone's going to steal ideas if it's a new trend. Um, and so, I think just to be as, as frank and open, once they decide to work with you as a company and they've got their trust in you because of the, the service that you've given them today, then, then normally people are quite free to exchange information about what they anticipate the product's going to do. And we, and we tailor our business to, to service that need. Because you really, in the food industry, you never really know where the next trend's coming from or what it's going to look like. Um, so... <laughs> yeah we have to be flexible yeah well we yeah yeah i think so so if i would put that in one word is transparency yeah um, i think yeah that is what it comes down to really eh? um, honest communications yeah. yeah yeah and because and because and because right. flavors are flavors are things that are basically they, they sort of stabilize a product they standardize a product um you know due to their the natural fluctuations yeah. you get in ingredients. And in terms of cost and use, they're actually the lowest and most constant value to a product. So you've got two things. You've got the labeling and the flavor profile. That, that creates the character of a product. That's why people buy a specific product, the brand loyalty, the flavor profile, and yeah. that means they're going to buy twice, which is what everyone wants. Yeah, the first order is nice, the second exactly. is more important, right? Yeah. Well, Steve, uh, sorry to, uh, I think we could go on could, for another yeah, hour. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm really fascinated and, and I'm going to repeat myself. I, I, think, I think it's really great how you are showing your flexibility and your speed uh, in, in yeah. supply. Uh, and I truly compliment you uh, as a company in that. Um, we'll be surely working yeah. lots together, and we are already. Um, so I look forward to that, and I want to thank yeah, you. Yeah, just one last thing. Everyone can do large. Yes. Everyone can do high volume, but it's do small well is the issue. If you do small well, you can do anything, <laughs> and we do small well. I completely <laughs> agree with you. I, I am 100% yeah. aligned. Great. 100% well, nice aligned. talking to you, Jasper. Hi Ross, great to have you in uh, in our podcast uh, today. Um, 
we look forward to this conversation, uh, but maybe good for our listeners uh, that you can also give a brief introduction of yourself and what you're doing today. Thanks, Jasper. Uh, I'll firstly introduce myself. I'm Ross Norris from Australian Native Products. I'm the general manager of the business and been with them for two and a half years. And Australian Native Products is the uh, the world's largest grower of lemon and anise myrtle, uh, two products which are quite, shall we say, famous um, native Australian herbs that are sold globally into uh, many industries such as tea, distilling, uh, food and personal care. And it's, um, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Thanks. To start off with the first question, companies often have to balance multiple priorities when it comes to finalizing new product development. In your experience, what are the main priorities that conflict and how do they manage them? That's a good question, Jasper. Um, obviously, the biggest trade-off we find is that uh, is trading off price. And many companies see... Uh, the desired products they want to make often cost a lot more than the uh, the trade restrictions and cost restrictions will allow them. Um, so one of the ways we help companies manage that is by doing work behind the scenes to educate them on how the cost of use of uh, products such as lemon myrtle actually lead to them uh, having a cheaper cost of goods than they may already have when they're using other citrus herbs. Another area where they tend to make a trade-off is health claims, um, and certainly with products, they uh, uh, they often want to um, produce an ideal product, but they really have to uh, make sure that they're fully compliant with local regulations, and that often means that they have to uh, say less than they choose to say or than they'd like to say um, in order to make sure that they have a product that uh, doesn't raise the ire of their competitors and also uh, stays within the regulations. So in our experience, these are, these are the two biggest trade-offs um, and usually taste is king, uh, which is why we find that we've got great acceptance for lemon myrtle globally. Thanks, Ross. And if we would take that to a next question, uh, what are the most common barriers to a project being able to launch on its desired date? That's a good question, Jasper. Uh, in many of the businesses I've been in, I think that one of the biggest struggles has been to uh, to get a project launching on time. So um, the main barriers that I see are, from a quality point of view, um, it's essential to make sure a lot of stability testing is done in order to ensure that there's a product that meets all of the regulatory requirements, but also um, satisfies consumers for the longer term and, and certainly at least for the, uh, the stated shelf life of the product. And at the end of that shelf life should still look and taste as fresh as possible. Another barrier I see is the keeping the, uh, over the longer period of product development, keeping the actual concept true to the original concept that was identified from uh, consumer discussions or market testing. Um, because there's a lot of twists and turns a product can take and for quality reasons or uh, cost reasons, the product will often, uh, there'll be pressures to change the product. So I think that's a, an important one for businesses to remain focused on what is the value proposition that, uh, that their consumer or their customer wants and making sure that the final product stays true to that. Another challenging 
uh, barrier we see is is supply time for new ingredients. And certainly um, there's that old adage that you can have cost or quality or speed, but you only get to choose two of those. And I think that supplying new materials can often be quite challenging, uh, especially with agricultural products. Um, for sh- certainly we've uh, invested in a lot of uh, fresh plantations in order to take that problem away because it was a historical issue for native Australian botanicals and specifically for lemon myrtle. But we're pleased to say that there is no longer a problem. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks to our partnership with One Two Taste, uh, we're making stock available on the ground in Europe um, to really try and raise the profile. Great. Um, do you... Do you actually see specific times of the year when uh, products are more launched into the market? Unfortunately, Jasper, I think that uh, in a lot of situations, uh, both here in Australia and in a lot of overseas markets, the timing of new product launches does tend to be driven by uh, review periods for the major retailers. And certainly um, in most markets, the major retailers will structure it so that specific categories launch at specific times of the year. Outside of that, with small and medium companies, um, it's great to see that they will tend to launch based on the merit of their idea and, and certainly based around the benefits they feel that product will deliver. So, um, you know, there's, there's the obvious seasonal launch windows such as Christmas products for you know, in the, in the November period or products that are specific for winter or products that are specific for, you know, weight loss brighter summer and things like that. Um, for example, in health products, you'll see, you know, prior to winter, you'll see uh, big launches of immune-based products. Um, you'll also see prior to summer, you'll see a lot of the slimming products come out. Um, and from a food point of view, I think you'd certainly see a shift in the styles launched based on the season. So, I guess to summarise, if you're a small or a medium-sized company who is less bound uh, by particular retailer category reviews, you've got the freedom to launch when you feel the consumers will be most receptive to your launch and most receptive to look and most ready for the benefits the products are bringing. Um, If you're a larger a larger brand who's launching into uh, the grocery channels or the retailers you will find that you're uh, pretty clearly restricted to one or two windows a year when you're able to present your products and um, hopefully have them uh, sold into the retailers. Thanks, Ross, for your great insights. Um, in in one to taste we see that uh, the introduction of a, of a new product takes around 120 days. Um, if, uh, if you want to launch a product in the summer, it means that you need to start at least four months in advance. So that's the least uh, time that you need uh, to prepare your next launch. Well, closing now. Uh, thank you, Ross, and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Jasper. And certainly from our point of view, it's great to see businesses focusing on um, the ingredient space uh, and doing what your one-two taste do. So always a pleasure to talk to you and can't wait to, uh, to do this again at some stage. Hi, Manuel. Great to have you in, uh, in the podcast of One to Taste Talks Food Ingredients. We are talking about the uh, alcohol beverage industry uh, today with you. Uh, but before we go into more details um, about the, the decision to go to market, um, I would like to ask you to give me a quick introduce, 
introduction of yourself uh, and of your company, of course. Yes, hello. I am Emmanuel. I, I run a family-owned company with my wife. Uh, my company is Delsa, and we develop and manufacture flavors for the food and drink industry. Uh, we started making lemon flavors. Uh, that is part of our name, but now we are making some more flavors. And well, that, that is basically what, what we are at. Development, a lot of development, and then manufacturing of flavors. Wow! And 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 where are you exactly? Uh, we are based in Spain, in south of Spain, in Seville. Okay, beautiful Spain. A very nice city. And you have great weather, I heard. <laughs> yeah. so, uh... <laughs> great weather. The oranges are blossoming. Very Super. Nice. <laughs> um, well, let's let's dive into it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the decision go to market eh? and. And what are important things in your perspective when a, when a company, when one of your customers takes a decision uh, to, to go to market? Eh? Um, what are your thoughts around building up stocks, uh, and et cetera? Can you share your, your insights? Yeah, well, basically, uh, we, we try to work uh, hand in hand with, uh, we prefer with the R&D department. And we we try to keep in close contacts with their needs. Uh, so basically, we present uh, several prototypes, uh, and, and what we what we expect is that uh, eventually they will they will uh, choose one one of them. We don't stick to one uh, to one uh, uh, sample. Uh, we we try to to make the their choice a little bit broader so that they they can have more more choices. So basically, uh, we we are committed to to serving in one week time. So this this uh, puts a lot of pressure on stocks. So uh, we are building uh, big stocks, and that is a, that is an issue. And I up to now, uh, even if it is an investment and it is a big investment, uh, I think it's paying off. Because uh, lead time, we have discovered that for our client base is is important. I think that um, I, I very frequently mention that um, for the online business, lead times uh, in the B two B is still a big challenge, um, because um, the uh, the industry by itself, the ingredients industry, is is used to have very long lead times, right? So that's that's. That's interesting that you decided to build up your your stocks, right? And to be able to deliver on a, I think a week is very acceptable in terms of uh, of lead time. Um, but um, what 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 is it that um, that made you decide to take this route? And if you would look at your customers, what would you advise them? Would you advise them to do the same, or what would be your advice? Well, uh, uh, precisely, we are doing this, uh, and uh, the selling point that uh, we are trying to to put forward is that we, if we keep the stock, uh, then our clients uh, will not have to to do the same. So, uh, on one on the one hand, um, it's very re rewarding to to receive your products very quickly, and uh, <clears throat> that is an issue. And the, the other issue is that. Uh, <clears throat> If you look at the uh, at the needs to 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 stock flavors, uh, they are they are reduced, 
and if the lead times are, are short, uh, they can they can have a, a bigger variety of flavors. So we are kind of working in, in that line. Okay. Okay. And do you see, uh, if you if you look at, um, at at the activities inside Delsa, do you see certain peaks in in uh, in development periods? Um, yeah, of course there are. There are. If, if we are talking about the the alcohol drinks uh, indices, uh, well, there is a peak uh, of of sales in at the end of the year, and, and that uh, pushes back, uh, of course, uh, development, uh, production, uh, preparing the launching. So <clears throat> we find ourselves starting at the beginning of the year with new projects uh, that will start that will be uh, that will be. Uh, uh, in the market at the end of the years, so so you would say that hey, from from start to end, your experience is is that it's about ten to twelve months uh, period. Uh, I I would say so, and I would say so uh, after we have uh, started to know the client and and to to build trust, which is an an, an important issue, and uh, after we we've tried uh, <coughs> to work together. And then when we decide to work on a project, uh, I, I should say that yes, it, it is. It takes around one year. Okay. Yeah. And and um, do you also help your customers um, in deciding uh, which prototype they want to take to market? Is that something that you that you're involved in? That is a two a two way a two way conversation. Uh, we get a, a request. But we we try not to answer the exact question that that we we are being asked. Uh, uh, if we have uh, alternatives to to the to the problem that they are trying to to solve or, or the launching that they are uh, that they are going to do, uh, we try to give alternatives. But also we make suggestions because we since we are uh, we know uh, about the about about trends, we try to to give our opinion. Of other products that that might uh, work well, and sometimes you get a surprise uh, that eventually uh, some of the products that we offer that were not initially requested are the ones that are that are uh, going to be launched that are going to be incorporated into the new products. Wow! So so basically, uh, you're 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 um, you're you're saying that. Uh, the, the 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 process uh, in your experience takes about ten to twelve months. Um, uh, your company can guide yeah. them along the way, um, and and can support them with different uh, inputs in in trends and in in, uh, in 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 potentially probably also some tasting exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, what what uh, if you if you now sit on the chair of your customer? Uh, um, what are um, his his major challenges that he has? What uh, for the small and medium-sized enterprises, which is our uh, the one to taste typical customer, what what are their 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 major uh, challenges? Do you think? I, w- I would say that there are a couple of challenges. One of them is getting things right. Uh, when uh, when you serve a flavor and, and it's the right one, uh, they say, "Whoa, this is what I was looking for." And maybe they they, they didn't know at the beginning what they were looking for. They, they didn't have the exact image. But but once they, they get one that, that fits, uh, that that is that that opens a window. So that that's one thing. And and the, th- the second the second issue is uh, trust and reliability. 
Uh, we have to do it uh, right the first time, but we have to continue doing it uh, all along the process. And, and, and eventually this becomes mo- the most important. Uh, you, you do it right the first time, but then you have to keep the momentum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what we uh, in one two test we we obviously we track um, the um, uh, the times between uh, sampling and 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 ordering larger quantities, right? Uh, so we typically see mm-hmm. that a a project takes around hundred uh, hundred twenty uh, twenty two days. That's that sounds like an accurate number. It's it's just an average. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's probably a bandwidth, right? Um, uh, but that's that's uh, for uh, basic ingredients as well as it is for specialty ingredients like flavors. So if you would distinguish mm. between the two, then, then probably flavors uh, will take a longer uh, period uh, for product uh, innovation mm. and introduction versus um, the the basic ingredients where you can take one out and put one in. Um, but it's interesting to hear that that uh, from, from your end, is that um, important when you take a product to market uh, to do it right the first time? Um, it, it sounds easy, but maybe as a, as, a, as a last thought and to wrap things up, what, what, what is doing things right the first time? What is the, what is the key under, under that? Uh, that message. <laughs> yes, you have to spend some time in, in your development department, in the formulation. Sometimes you get asked uh, questions. Uh, they say, well, does your lemon flavor smell of lemon? And you say, well, this is kind of obvious. It should be obvious. But but then you go back to your, to your lemon and you smell it and say, well, does it really smell of lemon? Of, of lemon? Uh, do we have to make an effort? And, and it's a simple question, and sometimes the answer is not so so easy. But if you get it, if you, I mean, if you work at the beginning, uh, then you get the reward. Okay. Well, I think that's very nice as a as a as a as a wrapping up uh, of our conversation, uh, Manuel. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time and 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 talk with uh, with one two taste and with me today. Thank you. It has been, has been uh, very nice to talk to you. <laughs> Hi, Alvaro. Great to uh, to have you in uh, One Two Taste Talks Food Ingredients. Um, today we're going to talk about sustainability, um, and Ago Singularity um, is very much focused on, on on this particular aspect. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and Agro Singularity? Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, hello, Jasper. Thank you for the time and invitation. This is a really good opportunity for us. I will try not to be very boring and try to make it short. Uh, Agro Singularity is a young Spanish company that we started back in 2019, uh, which the idea to offer a solution to a problem. That is like the, all the waste that is generated by the agriculture and the transformation industry. Uh, we collect uh, many of the surpluses of the of the agriculture, of the byproduct generated by, for example, the juice industry or the canning industry and all that, and we transform it into ingredients for the food industry with a high added value. And and uh, obviously you saw this uh, this this problem and you saw the solution uh, in, mm-hmm. in reworking uh, the waste stream into high value ingredients. And yeah, what was it always uh, from the perspective that you 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 hate to see all the waste go 
go mm -hmm. nowhere or what was the what was well, the... the it's a bit difficult you know it's like a bit i'm not going to say chaotic but it was like a bit there was like a lot of influence from the different sides of the problem but you know a one of our founders you know like four or five years ago he wrote that almost 40 percent of the fresh uh, food that we produce goes straight to the waste which is like a massive thing a massive number but the good thing is like mm, yeah, in contrary of the general opinion most of this uh, lack of a uh, uh, sorry uh, this loss happens usually in the household environment, in our houses, in our homes, because there are people who are buying yeah. too much or they don't know how to store it and all that. In the agriculture and the transformation industry, this is like less than 89% of this loss. So we are quite lucky because the technology and the new generations of farmers and, uh, and producers, they take this very seriously. Even though when the founders started uh, this project back in 2019, they so well, there's still a lot of produce, a lot of tons that they go straight to waste and no one is doing anything for that. And it's something that maybe is not like a nice looking product, but this is still a valuable product with a lot of nutrients, a lot of uh, things that they can be uh, used. So yeah, for the general idea is like they saw as an opportunity, like a, a raw material that it was like a problem for many producers that it could be generate another benefit to the society. Because it was like you were converting yeah. one problem into a solution. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I congratulate you because I really, really Thank like you. like the products that you guys are are, are producing today, and I mm -hmm. and I really symp uh, sympathize on the um, on the, the also reducing the waste. And how do you see that actually? Yeah. So so uh, let's take uh, for example um, uh, a, a broccoli, yeah? and you mm -hmm. make broccoli powder. Um, yeah. Did you have to look for the market or was there actually already a market for broccoli powder? Uh, there was a market for broccoli powder, but you know, we are based in Murcia, but we are in the southeast part of Spain. Like, in fact, we are in the sunniest city of Spain. So we have like a, a really, it's not a rural area, it's like a really intensive in agricultural production to, uh, so, uh, around us. Um, they say that around 30% of the broccoli produced worldwide is produced here in Murcia, which is like a lot of broccoli. So, you know, uh, we saw that there was a demand for broccoli powder. We saw that there was interest for broccoli powder for many applications for colorant, for, uh, for nutrition, for cosmetics, for baby food, for a lot, a lot of applications. But uh, before the pandemic, you know, many companies, they were sourcing their materials from overseas, you know. So they were looking for the pro uh, from this kind of product, like from China, from India, from South America, and all that. Um, after what happened during the pandemic, you know, like more and more companies they focus into a mm, local approach to the sourcing of the raw materials. So we were like we were really competitive because many of the customers that they were buying the broccoli powder, for example, just general broccoli, they were located in Europe, and we were like one of the few manufacturers that was offering that product back at that time. The thing is, uh, we saw that maybe broccoli powder was not enough. So we decided to keep investigating, spending money and investing money in R&D. And we developed new process to extract the fibers, to extract the protein, to extract 
new products out of the broccoli. It's not just broccoli powder, just from one raw material, and you can take like five, six different products. Um, which one of those with even more added value at the end of the day? So yeah, it's like we started by a coincidence or by a because we could take advantage of our situation in Murcia, but also you know because we saw that the market the market was evolving and was like really happy with you know what we could give you know like the more solutions that you provide they are willing to and they are trying uh, to improve their you know like the products or like launch new products and things like that yeah and and do you feel that that your customers um are they buying your ingredients um also uh because it's sustainable or predominantly because it's sustainable mm -hmm. or because it's just the best price Okay, this is like something that... Or all three, yeah. maybe. Uh, this is, uh, you know, like, uh, maybe this doesn't sound like very politically correct, but it's like, it depends because uh, we've seen that the big manufacturers, they you know, they are using the speech of sustainability. And some of them, they are, like, they are more interested in, like, yeah, I want it sustainable, but I want it cheap. And the small manufacturers, they are saying like, well, I want it sustainable, but I also want it cheap. You know, at the end of the day, and when you are selling a commodity that is just a powder, price matters. So yeah, it's sustainable, but yeah, but I cannot spend like 40 or 50% more than my previous supplier. So yeah, it's like, mm, they need to balance, yeah, I like sustainable, but I don't want, you know, to reduce my margin a bit. So that's the, one of the reasons that, as I, as I mentioned before, that we invested in a R&D. Because it's like, well, it's not the same to offer broccoli powder than broccoli protein. So people are willing to invest more and to spend more in that because at the end of the day the sustainable yes it's very important but there are like another fa uh, factors that are really the decision maker or the deal breaker you know, at the end of the day for the customer yeah yeah it's interesting so you continue to uh, to invest in in r d to, mm -hmm. to create uh, even finer uh, yes cuts of the of the of the product um so is that what you're going to do also with other ingredients that you yes, carry yes it is like it's funny, you know, because we we started, you know, the company started with broccoli at the beginning and joined artichoke, then started with onion, leek, tomato, a lot of things. We expanded the portfolio really quickly. But then we saw that like, well, this is like maybe too much and this is like something that it's you know, at this stage we should try to focus really. So we really started reducing again, 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 again the scope. And uh, we have like a few products. A few products that are now like all bread and butter, or like we have like many different raw materials, but we focus like in the ABB, that is like what well, in Spanish it's ABB, but in English will be artichoke and all these derivates, yeah. uh, broccoli and all these derivates, and spent grain, you know, like from the barley, the deer production, or the barley that is left, the byproduct generated. Uh, so those will be like all three most important raw materials. And from those, we are taking out protein. Fibers we are investing now, and we are doing other research trying to extract beta-glucans, fructooligosaccharides, and a lot of products that hopefully in a few months they will be already in our portfolio. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's always like that eh? with a startup. You go white, and then you go go focused yeah. again, and then you go white, and you go focused again. Can yeah. you can you tell us what is the 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 environmental impact do you know for example how many tons of waste that you uh, you are saving uh, on a uh, is that also something that you track it's something that we are really we are really proud of that you know because for every single customer we give them a report 
of the tons of carbon emissions that they have saved, all the tons of food that they have saved, and all the tons ingredients, you know, like the amount that of the order that they had, you know, generated a benefit to the society, you know, all the tons of food that you yeah. haven't lost or haven't gone to the waste. And it's something that is audit, it's something that we can prove it, and it's something that we can solve. And, you know, like we have like some customers at this stage, there are small customers, but they are including a QR code in the label where they can see and they can track this information because it's like something that, you know, if they want to, they are using the sustainability speech and they are claiming that and they prove it, you know, they prove it and they can show to their customers, to their customers, hey, we are sustainable because we are sourcing a sustainable raw material that is sourced with a sustainable process. Uh, excellent, excellent. Sorry, Alvaro, I, I need to, um, to come to, uh, to an end. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's super cool what you guys are doing, uh, thank you, thank you. and 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 really really support in 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 in, uh, in bringing these waste streams into more value, and mm -hmm. um, saving uh, a lot of potential cost and 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 waste in in that matter, and having a great product at the same time. So thank you very much for your time. And, okay, thank you very much for the for sure we will be in touch in the future. Okay, hopefully we will stay we will stay in touch uh, soon. And thanks again for the opportunity. And thanks again for to one today so for the labor and all the help that we as a customer we really appreciate. We appreciate your presence on this episode about go-to-market decisions. Our five food ingredients experts have provided invaluable insights into the latest trends in go-to-market strategies. We extend our sincere gratitude to our expert guests and invite you to join us on our next episode as we continue to delve into the captivating world of food ingredients. This was One to Taste Talks Food Ingredients. If you want to know more, please check out our website.